Welcome to the Just Off Glen podcast with your host, Christy Alexander, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and change makers. Just Off Glen. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Just Off Glen podcast. I'm your host, Christy Alexander, owner of Work Smart Coworking and Meeting Space in downtown Glens Falls. And I'm very excited to talk with my guest today, Sarah Delandro, and get to know her a little bit and talk about the Glens Falls School District Backpack Program. So, Sarah, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Yes, thank you for having me. So, we um, actually are just still getting to know each other. We met a few months back thanks to our mutual friend who is a member here at WorkSmart. Um, I would love uh, for us for you to start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself because you definitely have roots here in Glens Falls. Yes. And um, so, a lot of people listening may even already already know who you are, but for those who don't, yes. can you give us a little bit of background? Sure. So I always say I'm a third generation Glens Falls girl. Mm-hmm. Um, both sets of my grandparents grew up here. My parents both grew up here. Um, my parents still live in their very first house that they bought together. Um, I attended Jackson Heights Elementary School. I went to Glens Falls Middle School and I graduated from Glens Falls High School in the class of 1999. Um, Of my 14 first cousins, 11 of us graduated from Glens Falls um, together. So many of us still today live within a mile of each other. And now our kids are going to school together, which is really nice to see. Um, I left the area for a brief stint. My husband went to college in Connecticut and stayed there after college. And I moved there for two years. And we found ourselves just constantly coming back home. Mm -hmm. Um, Every weekend we would say, well, let's go back home. Let's go back to Glens Falls. And, you know, when we thought about starting a family, it just made sense to come back home. Um, So I can't imagine living really anywhere else. I love this little city. Um, I think it has so much to offer. Mm. Um, Both of my kids go to Glens Falls City School District. Um, I have a third or fourth grader, excuse me, now at Kensington and a seventh grader at the middle school. Um, So I really just love that we're kind of right in the middle of having Lake George in our backyard, but also having more of a hustle bustle of Saratoga just a few minutes down the road. Yeah, I Oh, it's we are so fortunate to have all of those so close by. And I love that so much of your family is still here. Yes. And um, so you have gone through the Glens Falls City School District, the school system. Mm-hmm. And now you're returning to serve yes. uh, students and uh, staff at the school. Yes. And I can't wait for our listeners to learn more about that. Yeah. So the Glens Falls School District Backpack Program. So tell us about the program, how it works, and, um, you know, maybe a little bit about its history. Sure. Um, So I was an elementary teacher for 15 years. Um, I resigned in 2019 just to be able to focus not only on my own kids, but really giving back to my community um, with a focus on kids. Um, Schools always seem like a home to me, a second home. I feel very comfortable in them. So I knew that I wanted to give back and I wanted to focus on somehow getting myself into the schools. Um, The children that live in Glens Falls and grow up in Glens Falls are all of our kids Mm -hmm. and they're really the future of this little city and we want to see them do what people 
like I did and come back here and live and work and give back to the community. Um, so the Glens Falls City School District Backpack Program is a program that provides kid-friendly, easy-to-prepare food for students in need. So they face food insecurity at home. Um, we shop each week, and then we pack and deliver approximately 150 bags every Thursday and deliver them to the three elementary schools and the middle school. Um, there's many kids that come to school to learn, and there's some kids that come to school to eat. So we're fortunate that in Glens Falls, every student receives a free breakfast and a free lunch when they come to school. And for some kids, that is the food that they rely on as mm -hmm. their main source of food for the day. You'll have some kids that come in in the morning and say, I'm hungry. And you say, when did you eat last? And they say, at lunch yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so our mission really is that no child faces a weekend without access to food. Um, we provide larger bags of food for the school breaks as well. So for Thanksgiving break, if it's a six-day break, they'll get a bag with six days worth of food. The December break, even if it's two weeks long, which every couple of years it is, they will get two weeks worth um, of food. And this program is completely donation-based. We don't receive any funding from the district. We do receive a lot of support from them. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was in Glens Falls School, I don't, the, a program like this didn't exist. Right. Um, when I went back to look, you can go on the New York State um, Ed website and I actually went back to 1999, the year that I graduated. And it gives kind of like a snapshot of each year, kind of like a report card. And I wanted to look like, why is there all of a sudden this seems to be a greater need? Has it always been there? And I just wasn't paying attention. Sure. So I went back to 1999 and I looked and it said that 20% of our students were considered economically disadvantaged. So they would get free or reduced lunch. And I, it changes year to year with the state in terms of what that eligibility looks like. Okay. But it's roughly around a family of four that makes less than $47,000 a year could be eligible for free or reduced lunch. Um, so I went all the way through the years and it was just kind of a steady increase. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent data that's on there is the 2021 to 2022 school year. And we are up to 54% of our students considered economically disadvantaged. Oh, wow. So more than half of our students receive free or reduced lunch um, at our school. Now, everyone can get free and reduced lunch regardless, um, which it makes tracking this data a little bit trickier, but still in 21, 22, 54%, which is over a thousand students. Um, and that's where I was like, oh my goodness, you know, why is that is a bigger issue, right? But mm -hmm. how can we support these kids when they leave the classroom? Um, I've always thought as food is a basic human right and you can't survive without it. Right. But these kids were facing food insecurities at right. home. And again, I think as a city, it is our responsibility to take care of all the kids if we can. Um, so the backpack program is just one little piece to that puzzle. How did you first get involved with the program? So I had heard about it from teaching. I had um, students in my class that received the backpack program. Okay. I, you know, I want to be clear, the backpack program, the idea of a backpack program has been around for, for years. Um, and at my school, I taught kindergarten and I would have, I only had one little girl in my class who received it, but I would give her the bag on Friday and she would open it up and say, is this for me? 
And I would say, that is just for you for the weekend. That is your food. And her face would just Mm. light up. Um, So when I resigned, the first thing that I did was join my um, children's PTA board. Um, I was like, well, this is probably a good place to start. And one of the committees was the backpack program. Okay. Um, So back then, every elementary school, there's three elementary schools, had their own program and it was run by PTA volunteers. So we would go to, and it was funded um, back then by the Open Door Mission. Okay. So we would go on Thursdays to the Open Door, pick up a cooler of food, bring the food back to the building. We would spread it out on tables, go around, fill actual backpacks, drop them off at the kid's door, and then we were done. Um, so we did that. And like I said, this was 2019. So come spring 2020, right. um, the pandemic hits and everything kind of stops. Mm-hmm. Um, that summer, we got word from the open door that they would no longer be able to fund the program for us. Um, and they were focusing more on their their homeless work that they were doing. Okay. So we were scrambling mm-hmm. as a as a little school, just our little elementary school. How are we going to make sure these kids have access to food? If there's any time that we need it, it's it's now. But we had some hurdles. We weren't allowed in the building as volunteers because okay. of COVID, and we couldn't hold food drives because again, at the beginning, people weren't really sure: can we send things in? Can right, we not? Right. Um, so I reached out to the Glens Falls Nation Fund. Um, which is a non-for-profit group that supports the Glens Falls City School District. Um, I have a friend that I graduated with that's on there, and I said, hey, is there any chance you can help us out here? So they were amazing, and they gave each school building money to support the program for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, At the beginning, I was just shopping at Hannaford and keeping the stuff in my basement and packing the bags and dropping them off in front of the school building. So that's kind of where the idea started of, okay, we need to decide how we're going to do this more efficiently. Okay. And I knew where I came from um, in Saratoga, it was a district-wide program. It wasn't like each elementary school had their own program. Okay. It was one program for the district. So I thought, gosh, I did a food drive for Thanksgiving. And since we couldn't get food, I just raised money on an online platform. And in like two weeks, raised $2,000. We didn't need that much at, at the school we were at. We only had 10 kids in the program. But I was like, gosh, think of, you know, extending this to everyone. Let's spread the wealth and make it one program instead of one part of the community can give more, but another part of the community needs it more. Right, because there is that imbalance within our community. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And I just, again, goes back to they're all our kids. And they all funnel into the same middle school and they all funnel into the same high school and then graduate. Um, So we started by looking into the regional food bank um, and their price point was amazing. It was $6.10 to feed a kid for the weekend. And we thought, gosh, we, we could do that. The food came, and again, I was thinking to myself, gosh, I'm going to think back to that five-year-old I had in my class, right. and this is a box of pasta. Mm-hmm. So now we're asking a five-year-old who may live in a hotel mm-hmm. to, here's a box of pasta. Can, do you have a pot? Do you have water? Do you right. have a, are you able to use a stove? Are right. you going to boil it? So we just thought, you know, this, 
this is a great program and it works for some, but our idea and every time we pack a bag is could our five-year-old in a hotel make this? Can she have access to it? Mm -hmm. So we thought, okay, we, we tried that for the year. It didn't really work out. It's, it's, um, the summer of 2021 and I'm, I'm brainstorming with a good friend of mine, Aaron Constantino, who was kind of my right hand lady through all of this. And I said, listen, what if we tried to make it one program, like a K-8 program where we raise money for the, all the schools together and see how it goes. So we reached out to all the building principals. We were met with a little hesitation at first, but I kind of explained my background. I said, this is a program I'm familiar with. I've been mm -hmm. volunteering for it. I have the time and it's something that I'm passionate about. So they kind of all agreed and the backpack program kicked off um, fall 2021 as a K-8 program. Um, I think we started out with 88 kids and ended the year with 150. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, it was really great. Um, we just are entering our third year okay. and we're officially um, a non-for-profit certified 501c3. We have a board of directors. Um, it's been a journey for sure. A lot of yeah. trial and error um, even still, but you know, it certainly gives me purpose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, and this is the second time you told me this story mm -hmm. and it just, it just hits. Yeah. You know, oh my goodness, I, I'm so blown away. Your passion and your boots on the ground yeah. mentality. We've got to do something. something. When you mentioned COVID hit, I immediately thought, oh my gosh, these kids. I mean, you guys must have, um, it must have really tugged at your heart. How are these kids going to eat? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen here? Um, wow. Yeah. And my love for this community has grown exponentially since yeah. starting this program even just because of so many people that have been willing to help. Yeah. And that's what I think is, again, one of the reasons I'm like, gosh, I, I love it here. I loved it here before I started doing this program, but now I love it here even more because I, there's so many people that are willing to help if you right. just ask. Right. And you're able to see the true heart of this community. Absolutely. And it just, it just blows me away. Um, so then, yeah, talk a little bit about um, funding and what's your strategy for fundraising, gathering necessary resources, um, and, you know, how, what do you, how do you, who or what do you guys rely on? Um, so when we first started, um, it was really just social media. Like the okay. social media was our, our way to the world, so to speak. Um, reaching out to friends and family, you know, I started small. As you heard, I have a big family that all still lives here. So mm -hmm. we do Thanksgiving together. And it started with me simply sending an email that said, Hey, for Thanksgiving this year, how about everyone bring something to donate to the backpack program? Nice. So then we're sitting at the table and that leads to a lot of conversation mm -hmm. about what the program is. And, Oh, well, I know this person. Have you thought about this? Or have you thought about this? And we really worked at the beginning with the school PTAs. We rely on we relied on them a lot to help us get our information out there. Anytime we were doing a food drive, anytime we were doing an online fundraiser, um, I became well versed in grant writing as our program has grown and and evolved. Um, when we started to need more than just a few hundred dollars, mm -hmm. um, you know, I have always been 
it is, I've always been such dedi- dedicated, hardworking and compassionate. I've had those kind of people by my side the, all through my life mm-hmm. and we're a team and this program is a team. It is not my program. It is not a one man show. Sure. Um, you have to be able to take criticism. You have to be open to any and all kinds of feedback, even right. if it's not something that you necessarily want to hear. Um, but really for us, monetary donations are the best. We have a space that was donated to us um, by someone in the community. It's small, but it's wonderful. It's on a first floor with a ramp that makes coming and going easy. Um, But we do have to keep the food in bins. So just for sanitary reasons and up off the floor. So, you know, when people say, can I just give you food? It's tough just because we don't necessarily have a lot of space to put it. Okay. Um, and I think when people have food drives, our program's needs are so specific. Right. People hear food drive and they think cans. Right. 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 But again, is it accessible to our five-year-old? Right. So it's, you know, it's generally easy, you know, for us to get the cereal bars, the, you know, people think, oh, applesauce is, I'll get you a cup. Well, you need a spoon. So the right. pouches tend to be better. Okay. Um, same for the mac and cheese. Some people think, oh, I'll get you a box of mac and cheese. But again, stove, hot water, boiling. So it's the mac and cheese cups. Okay. So I think just being very specific um, on what we need is helpful. But, you know, funding really comes from just putting it out there like, okay, hey, here's our program. This is what we do. You know, any way that you could help us. And the community has been amazing about that. Um, you know, just reaching out in your neighborhood. I did a neighborhood food drive. We have a neighborhood Facebook page and I put it out there. I said, there is a bin on my front porch. So I think, again, I started small with the people and my family. Then I started branching out my neighborhood and my friends And then, you know, as this got bigger, I saw the need to maybe go in that direction of, you know, being a real Mm non-for-profit with, again, the help of people here. And that has helped with funding tremendously. Awesome. So tapping into your network and building your network on the way has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the formation of the nonprofit. I think that would be beneficial for some of our listeners Mm -hmm. who have recently or, you know, formed a nonprofit are in the process of that or even considering that. So would you be willing to share some of the key challenges that you face during the process? Yes. I know that there, there can sometimes be legal issues right. and you know, how did you overcome them? And I will say the legal world is Greek to me. I, I know the backpack program. I know schools, I know education. So I was scared to be honest with you. I yeah. was nervous. Yeah. And I think that frankly, that is where most of us are coming from, right? We know what we do and we can do well, but we can't wear all of those hats. We right. did not go to school for years right. to be an attorney. Right. So that again, this is where we have to tap into our network. Right. So tell me about and that. And again, I, I tapped into my network of neighbors and friends. One of the things that's really wonderful about Guns Falls is there are a ton of people that live here that went to school here. I mean, my I love bringing my daughter to school and seeing all the people that I graduated with or graduated with my sister or graduated with my brother. So I think for me, finding someone that I was comfortable with, I think if I had worked with an attorney that maybe I didn't know, I would be a little bit more nervous, but I was very upfront. Like 
I don't, this is not something that I'm comfortable with. It's not something that I'm familiar with. And she was really, I think being open that way, putting yourself out there, like, yeah. I don't, you know, this is not me. This yeah. is not, <laughs> this was, this is not what I went to school for was helpful for her to know, but me to also be like, I'm be- being honest, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't my field. And it was really just being guided and, and not being afraid to ask questions. You know, the very first thing I think someone needs to do is make sure they have a mission statement, right? Like know why you're doing this before you're like, I'm going to be a non-for-profit. Like what's the need? Why are you doing it? And then, you know, I can't explain the legal reasons, but I know that I couldn't use the word school when I, when we picked the program, okay. I would never have known that. So I had my mission statement. I'm like, we're going to be the Glensville city school district backpack program. The attorney was like, you actually can't use the word school. Okay. Like, really? And she's like, you can say it. So technically we're GFCSD or Glensville city school district backpack program. Okay. But I had no idea of, yeah. you know, you, you learn things, um, along the way. Um, The next thing, once we had our mission statement, once we were clear on a name, we had to apply for an EIN, which is an employee identification number. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, we don't have any employees. You know, again, why is this something that I need? But you kind of have to have one. It's necessary. It's like a social security number for your organization. Um, Then after that, we had to open a bank account. Um, So we went and opened a bank account file taxes with the state. Um, Next was creating bylaws, which really guide, you know, how your board operates. Um, I had been a little familiar with bylaws just from being on the PTA boards. You have to have bylaws for that. But that also seems kind of um, not something I was comfortable creating. So my attorney kind of walked me through the whole process. Um, And then we had our first meeting where we created our board of directors. Again, I think it's, I think it's really important that, you know, you don't want to just be like, I'm going to have all my friends on, on the board with me. It's important to have like-minded people. You want to have people that believe in your mission and believe what you're doing. But I think it's also good to have people that have all different perspectives and come from different areas and do different things within the community. So we have an attorney on the board. Mm -hmm. We have um, a school administrator on the board. We have a bookkeeper on the board. And that really helps because those are not areas that I specialize in. So it's good to have like-minded people, but also people who come from a variety of different backgrounds and experiences kind of to help you out and guide you through the process. At our board meetings, I think I ask as many questions as I answer, um, just because, you know, you have to make sure you're on the same page. You want to make sure you're, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Um, so we came, we had our board, um, we had to incorporate with the state for legal protection and register with them since we plan to solicit donations. And then we had to apply for a tax exempt status. Um, there's a ton of paperwork to read and sign, I always looked at it and then asked my husband to look at it after me just to make sure because I, I was like, am I signing my life away? I have no idea. Um, so there was, once you're all set, once you have that bank account and we obtained our own insurance, um, we were pretty much ready to go. I will say you have to be patient. It doesn't happen after overnight. Right. It's, it's We're coming up on a year uh, this October and I think I just, fingers crossed, signed the last bit of paperwork. Okay. We've had an EIN number for a while. We are, you know, registered and all that stuff, but the final process, the last thing that we had to do, 
um, I just signed. So I think it's important for people to realize that if you're going to form a not-for-profit, it, it takes time. You right. know, I think in October, I was like, well, there's a Stewart's um, holiday match program that I want to apply to. Are we, re- are we ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was so eager, yes. but it, I learned like, okay, this does not happen overnight. Right. This doesn't even happen in a month. Um, it takes a little bit of time. So I, w- I think it's important to know that before you start is that it takes time. It's not going to be overnight. Um, you kind of have to walk yourself through it slowly, slow and steady wins that race. And at the end, you know, we're very happy with the result. Right. You, it's, it's, I love talking to you. It's lovely because you, the challenges of time. So you need patience and the challenges of the unknown and the fear that comes along with that. And you make none of that sound like a challenge at all. So <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was for sure. What kinds of things will the nonprofit status allow you to do that wouldn't otherwise be possible? So previously we worked under kind of the PTA umbrella and the PTA is its own nonprofit for profit it has its own EIN number. And what we found was, again, the Stewart's holiday match I'll use in as example, we can apply for that as the backpack program. And we can apply, f- apply for it as a PTA. But before I was applying for it from the PTA for the backpack program, and then the PTA couldn't apply for it. Oh, so this okay. way, we're not really you know, I'm not taking away from another organization. Now mm-hmm. we both can apply and benefit from it and use it specifically for our program. I use it to buy food. You know, um, a PTA might use it to buy something to enhance the building it's, or right. something school for, supplies, yeah, school yeah. supplies, something like that. So this allows us um, to be able to not compete with our PTA. And it also has really opened the door for grants. You can't really apply for a ton of grants without being a non-for-profit. And a lot of businesses like to be able to have that receipt that shows that I, you know, I donated to a non-for-profit. They have an EIN number. Here is a receipt. I just feel like people, businesses especially, feel a little less hesitant if they know that you're, you know, I'm a certified non-for-profit with the state of New York. Right, right. It definitely adds a level of credibility. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, so advice for those considering starting their own non-profit, I think um, you had mentioned finding somebody you can trust Mm -hmm. and somebody that you can be vulnerable with. Absolutely. And really just break it down and be able to say, man, I just don't have a clue. I need your guidance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anything else? Um, Let's see. Like I said, patience, making Mm -hmm. sure your board shares your mission, including those people that have different backgrounds. Um, I did. I I read a book once uh, that was talking. It was an entrepreneurship book. And he also talked about um, building building your board, building your network, building your supporters. And, um, you know, he said, don't, don't just ask your mom Mm -hmm. because your mom's going to always be happy with any idea you come up with and tell you that'll work. I mean, personally, I'm not that kind of mom. I will tell my kids. (laughs) I'm I'm the same. Talk about this. Let's rethink this. But he did caution that. And, you know, I love that you talked about bringing um, people to the table who have different, a diverse um, area of expertise Mm -hmm. and talking about people who will challenge you Mm -hmm. in your ideas and, and who will question things. And we need that. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes that. It's uncomfortable, but we need that. It's really important. Absolutely. Um, I will say too, I think what made me more comfortable is that starting small, like 
I did start with my family mm-hmm. because that's where I was comfortable with, right? Yeah. The idea of going out there and, and talking to people that I didn't know wasn't something I was really comfortable with to start. But the more that I talked with my family and then my friends, I became more confident in what I was saying. It was almost like, I don't want to say a script, but the more that I talked about it, the more I was like, oh, I sound credible. I know what I'm talking about. And I thought, I think it's important, like start with where you're comfortable and then Mm. move to the uncomfortable, right? Because then you'll you'll feel better about it. Like, oh no, I know what I'm going to say. I know how to answer these questions. But I think if you're a little nervous about that part of it and you start with people you don't know, it's harder. I think, I think rejection might be harder. Hearing no might be harder, Mm -hmm. but if you're like, well, I'm going to start with my mom who doesn't (laughs) say no. And then maybe I'll move to my siblings who might give it to me a little bit more. Uh And then my friends and then strangers, it's almost like a little stepping stool to becoming more confident talking to people that you don't know, talking to businesses, talking to people that have, you know, a broader, greater knowledge about something than you do. But if you start small, I think, I think that's helpful. That is so true. And you know, they've labeled it imposter syndrome and it is a very real thing. And the more that you're able to talk to people you're familiar with and build that confidence, I feel like the stronger your backbone gets and the more confidence you have in delivering that message Mm -hmm. to the community and investors and partners and so forth. So that's great advice for those uh, looking to start any sort of nonprofit or for-profit business. Um, I just want to take a minute to mention that we um, have a member who has recently formed a nonprofit here. So I've had the benefit of being able to walk through some of them, those steps. But here at WorkSmart, it's home of the Grove Venture Lab, which is a nonprofit that supports entrepreneurs and small business owners in their growth. So if anybody is considering um, launching a nonprofit or is kind of in the midst of it and you're wondering where to go for answers, I just want to extend the invitation to stop in here at WorkSmart and we can connect them with David Dammerman, who is the director of the Grow Venture Lab. So um, thank you for that minute. Um, I just want to finish up by talking a little bit about, you've mentioned it all throughout the conversation, but your network and the connections and how valuable that's been in um, the, the, the entire program. Right. I mean, it, it sounds so cliche to say it takes a village. I hate to say that, but it's so true. Um, with the way this program has grown and transformed, I wouldn't be here talking about it if it wasn't for our community and the collaboration with our community. You know, we have stewards that will donate milk and egg cards. We have Fryhoffers that delivers bread. We have Hannaford that will donate reusable bags for us to use over break. Um, The community has made our program better. Mm -hmm. Um, I reached out to local businesses about having a donation bin in their office, and I have never had a business say no. Mm -hmm. Um, We have businesses that reach out to us asking for a box. It's really amazing. And I think, again, a lot of that is tapping into who you know, Mm -hmm. and then they might introduce you to someone that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, think about how I came across past with you was from a friend, Maria, who says, Hey, you know, have you ever met Christy Alexander? And I think that's how those 
connections happen, but we do have such an amazing community that really is deep rooted that I'm not the only one that has a history of with Glens Falls like that. There are many people Mm -hmm. who are born and raised here, whose parents were born and raised here, whose grandparents were, and they want to see this city be successful and they want to see the kids in the city return here and work here and give back to the community. So I think that having people feel that way has helped this program tremendously. I just had um, a, a Glens Falls graduate that owns a spa reach out in August and say, hey, I'm, I wanted to run a back to school special for every gift card purchased, $5 of it goes to the backpack program. Oh, nice. And I, I mean, that that's amazing to yeah. me. You know, that that is what's so wonderful about the community is at first, before people knew about the program, I was out asking for help asking for donations. And now it's, now that people know about it, it's what can we do? How can we help? Which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, so initially this could have felt like moving a mountain. Oh yeah. So talk to the individual who's looking to start a nonprofit or a for-profit and they don't have a vast network. And let's be honest, even a lot of time, like you, it sounds like you have an extremely supportive family. Mm -hmm. We don't all have that. Some family members are looking at, you know, individuals that are looking to become entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or launch a nonprofit and shaking their head and going, I mean, I had people do that to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I just said, I'm going to choose to look at this like you're the uncle that cares about me. Not that it was a family member, but you know, people, some people just don't get it. So talk to the individual who's considering or in the midst of launching and tell them what are the first steps in, you know, getting out and connecting with a network. I think you have to feel comfortable putting yourself out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's tricky. You, you kind of have to have a little bit of a tough skin at first. It's hard not to take things personally. It really is. It, it you know, really and, is. and I, you have to think in the back of your head, what is my mission, right? This person says no. This person is arguing with me about not believing in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? You know, I think it's, if you yeah. keep that in the forefront of your mind, I think that that can be enough to drive you through. I I do know it's been beneficial to me to have a lot of connections from being from here, mm-hmm. but I think putting yourself out there, right? If you're, if you have children that are in a school, try to go to the PTA meetings, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a child in the school, but you're interested because you live in the district, there's board of ed meetings. If you're interested in the city council meetings, go, go. to those. Yeah. Those are great places to meet people. They are. Um, and I think there's many opportunities in this area, even if you're brand new, even if you're here solo and don't know anyone, you just have to kind of look. And I mm-hmm. think once you look in one place, it kind of opens the door to many places. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there's lots of great work being done in our community, volunteer work. Oh, and yeah. I think if you can find those and, and make connections um, with people that are part of those same set of mindset groups as you are, that's a great way to start, but you do have to kind of get out of your comfort zone yeah, a little yeah. bit and get comfortable with being, being uncom- uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> For and, sure. and I always say, and always, always, always say thank you. It, I think that, um, a lot of times we forget in the age of, you know, cell phones and email and text messages that a thank you card in itself it is really important to some people. So I think it's important to always 
let people know how much you appreciate, how much help that they have given you at the end of the day, you know, even if it's just for their time of, of being able to speak with them, mm-hmm. they might not give you something, but they're giving you their time. Right. That's something tangible. You know, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for helping me with this question. Um, I think that is important to remember when you're putting yourself out there. That is so true. So true. So I, I just, uh, I really appreciate your time. I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you and to be able to share this message with our community. What are the future goals and aspirations for the Glens Falls Backpack Program? Yes. So I am a bit of a busybody. I always like to see what we can do yeah. next. <laughs> uh, the I, mind of an entrepreneur. I, I, every year we kind of have a new goal. So when we first um, started as a combined backpack program, um, we didn't ever extend the program into the summer. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, well, they're hungry in June, they're hungry in July, right? Mm -hmm. So we um, started doing the summer, the backpack program over the summer, and there was summer school being held at the schools. So we were still able to access it. We delivered the bags like we always did. Families would know. We went to the different elementary schools that if they needed the bag, they could go pick it up. So that was really amazing. Um, We just finished our second summer of that. And then previously, the backpack program didn't start till October. And the reason behind that was September in a school is is very busy, very crazy. There's a lot of new families, and it takes a little bit of time to establish relationships with with them and understand who needs to be part of the program. So last year I said, can we start in September with at least the kids that we had in the program the year before and are coming back? Like, let's get the food into these kids' hands as soon as possible. So we were able to do September. So this year I was like, what about the first day of school? What about on Thursday? And I know that's really busy, but what if we drop off bags just based on our numbers in June? So we successfully did first day of school backpack program. So now moving forward, one of my biggest goals is to extend into the high school. Um, We have ninth and 10th graders that were coming back to the middle school last year because they had been in the backpack program and getting bags from the middle school. There's a bit of a stigma in the high school about carrying a bag with food in it. So it was, it's been tricky to try to figure out how we can make this work. You know, we thought about gift cards, but if I am budgeting a bag that because we buy in bulk is $8 for the weekend, if I gave a child a eight dollar gift card they yeah. don't really have the benefit of buying in bulk and and really getting the bang for their buck right so my hope is to me to make some kind of pantry in the high school that has the same kind of stuff that we have wow. and then if there's a child that's ex- experiencing food insecurity at home or if a teacher knows or a guidance counselor or a social worker they can say hey here's this space if you want to put it in your backpack to take home if you want to put it in a cinch bag that we have here, a brown paper bag, and just making it accessible to them and in somewhat of a more private way. Not that it's not private, it is all confidential, but to take that feeling of, gosh, I don't want to see people people to see me coming after school to picking up this bag in the main office. Mm-hmm. So kind of giving them that privacy. So that that's kind of my hope um, for this year is trying to figure out how we can make that happen, which I think, I really think it can. Absolutely. Um, so it will, yeah, it oh, will. It's yes. Sarah's on it. It will. Happen. <laughs> it, it, it will. I'm hoping. Yes. So, you know, I always say, I hope there isn't always a need for this type of program, right? But as long as 
there is, uh, you know, I'll be here. Um, my husband always likes to say, what's your exit plan? I don't have one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's okay yeah. at the start. Yeah. You know, I, I, when you start, you don't have to think about the finish and, you know, I say, I, you know, I'm not old enough to think of an, an exit plan yet. Yeah. I'm here, you know, I'm here to stay. And I'm sure as we go through the years and it evolves more and it changes, so will the people that are part of it. But. Absolutely. And I think that that will happen organically. I know that we we all need an exit plan. We it's do. <laughs> we do. Crossing our T's and mm-hmm. dotting our I's. I get that. But I do think, too, that this is one of those things that's going to happen organically. And when the time is right, absolutely, it will work out. Um, you know what? I was just thinking, well, I'm curious, what is um, the kind of your funnel, I guess? Like, what? how do you know? Because free and reduced lunch is often breakfast is offered to all the children. Yes. How do you know who um, so, needs? Yeah, so I actually don't know. I only know numbers. I have no idea the names of the students in my oh, program. Okay. Um, I just reach out to the school social workers in each building. Okay. Um, and they say... I need 40 bags. I need 10 bags. I need, and it's always evolving. I mm-hmm. always say, gosh, if you need more, if you need less, we'll, we will make it work. Just let us mm-hmm. know. So I actually don't have any contact with the kids in the program. I couldn't tell you who they are, which I think I like that. I, I yeah. think that's, that's important um, for them, for their families to respect that privacy. But I I work directly with the school social workers in each of the buildings who are wonderful. That's awesome. There are a lot of moving parts to all of this. I'm curious, do you have any contact with the teachers? You know, in in the beginning, I initially talked about how you support the students and support the teachers because we know that when kids show up fed, they're going to be a lot more effective, a lot more alert, able to learn, able to do. Have you received any feedback from any of the teachers? Um, You know, I think they can tell... When the kids come in and yeah, they, they, they are fed, it's a huge, a huge difference. Um, I think they, like me, see what I saw, that the happiness of a kid that gets to take home food yeah. that's theirs, you know. Yeah. I The program doesn't feed families. Mm-hmm. I wish we could, but that's really our place is if the little kid wanted to hide the bag of food under their bed for themselves for the weekend, mm-hmm. technically they could. We give siblings, though, we have one family that has three students, three kids in the backpack program, so all three get their own bag. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're just hearing from teachers, like, you know, the smile on their face when they get it. And yeah. one time I saw, um, I was delivering the bags to the middle school, and a mother was holding the door for me, and she's like, oh, do you do the bags? My daughter just loves them. You know, oh, and hearing nice. that, that, that to me is like, well, that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. That's why we do it. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you yes. for being here. And thank it you is- for this opportunity. <laughs> you are so welcome. It's been a delight to talk with you, to learn more about the program, to hear it again. And I just want to make sure that we let people know how they can get involved. You said that monetary donations are, they really are top of the list. And so where can people connect with you, Sarah? Yeah, so we have a website. It's www.gfbackpack.org. Okay. Um, all about our program on there and there's links to donate directly and there's also links to volunteer for our program um we are on social media on facebook as gfcsd backpack 
Um, so you can find us there as well. It is a private group, but if you ask to join, um, absolutely, we, we don't turn people away. Um, so that is where you can find us. Awesome. I will be sure to link to um, the website and the Facebook um, page in our show notes so that people can um, go ahead and access those. Okay. Uh, that's a wrap. All right. I hate to finish up, but uh, we got to get you on yes. to whatever you've got to do next. Yes. And I just want to say that you did an amazing job with your very first podcast. <laughs> my very first <laughs> podcast. I was, I'm a huge podcast listener. So to be asked to do it, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so honored that yes. it could be just yes. off Glenn. Yes. So thank you so much. And thank you listeners for joining us for this episode of the Just Off Glenn podcast. We are so glad that you've spent the last half hour with us and we look forward to seeing you next time. Just Off Glenn. Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded at WorkSmart Coworking and Meeting Space in downtown Glens Falls and produced by Black Mountain Visuals. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Join us again next time. We'll meet Just Off Glenn.